Where does she sit? She's can good. she sit in, does it matter? Can she sit in the comfy one? Sure, the absolutely. Black one? That's great. Okay. Fantastic. Oh, I love that. A, no, I'm good. Do you need a pillow? No, this is comfortable. It's starting to thunder and lightning here, y'all. So hopefully. Don't want to get lightning. Yeah. Have okay. Fun. Let's have fun. Let's have Jojo. fun, mom. Yes. Have a have a fun. <laughs> you say it. Have a fun. Have, have fun. Have a, oh now you're saying have fun. Have a fun. That's what you normally say. I do say. both too. I do both. Whatever I feel like. <laughs> now that you're conscious of it, you're saying have fun. <laughs> have a fun. I'm Joanna Gaines. I'm a wife, a mother, a sister, and daughter. But really, more than anything, I'm a person who carries a story. So earlier this year, I wrote down my story, my whole story. I called it The Stories We Tell, and that's what led me to this podcast, to a place where we can share our stories together. Imagine if the stories we tell brought us back to our truest selves, back to one another, because we all have a story to tell, and I can't wait to hear yours. Today on The Stories We Tell, I'm talking to the one and only Mrs. Stevens, my beautiful mother. Good morning, Mom. Good morning. You look beautiful. Oh, I love that you, you wore pink. Yes, dedication. In honor of the book. book. Thank you for joining me this You're morning. Welcome. I was just thinking about, you know, the journey for me and this book. And even when I went to New York for the book launch, mm-hmm. every time I go to New York, I always feel like your spirit is there with me. Um, just because that's, you know, this, but where I... I just got a lot of healing mm-hmm. there and just this mm. identity thing for me was so meaningful and powerful, but there's something about New York that reminds me so much of you, even though you've never lived there. Um, mm. But while I was there this week, I was thinking, I've got to ask my mom her side. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, you know, I was such a quiet processor in my head. You never knew what Jojo was thinking, yeah. but even though you were four eleven you always exuded the strength or this feistiness or this fight. And so I never thought until this week, maybe it affected you too. You coming from Korea, Mm -hmm. moving to America. I always assumed you were tough. You brushed it off. So I want to get into that. Mm -hmm. But before I do, I did want to just give you a second to share a little bit of your story growing up. Mm-hmm. your insecurities. Just tell me a little bit about who you were as a little girl okay. in Seoul, Korea. Okay. Give me Kleenex. Kleenex. So great. You're uh, Charlie, we're bold and brave as, you know, that's my nature. It's been that way for a long time because, you know, grow up, that you're always less than the rest of you, family. Like Why did you think sister. that though? Uh, because that I, I could tell the difference in the way they treated me you know, just always you're less, you're this, you're this. You know, kind of have a label on me. And because I was small, even then I was pretty small for my age always. So the matter, you know, to my friends, we go somewhere. They always said I'm just somebody's sister, kind of like that. So, and then at home, having my mom or, you know, uh, just always picking on me and things. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like, well, you know, something's not right here. I felt that and feels like I'm always less and they're special. But mommy is not. So I always carry that. So when I was young, I made a decision uh, when I go out places, not want to be picked on by anybody. So because of that, I just feel like I need to put on this facade. That, that might then, be tiny, but... But you're mean. 
Because weren't you kind of the yeah the mean one? Yeah, because when they compare my younger brother and younger sister, uh, how they good they are, and and my brother being only boy, they're just he just uh, the king. I mean, of the house. Yes. And me is like I'm the oldest one, but she never played a part of the oldest one. That because that is important in our culture. That you, you if you're oldest one, you have you have to carry certain weight yes. or responsibility. And I I guess I didn't do some of the things. Uh, my mom required me do dishes or something, mm-hmm. and I just do really lousy job. Or when she'd give you money to go get groceries, what yeah, would you yeah. tell everybody? What you'd go buy? <laughs> I go, I go uh, read the, this comic book. She'd go buy. She'd spend the money on comic books. Comic books, and I go there read it because it continues on like a soap opera. It continues on, so I want to go see what happened to the next book. <laughs> so I sat there, and she gave me money like five thirty uh, uh, p.m. to go get something. Then on the way, this comic book so always on the way to market. So I go in, I go, okay, just read it real quick. Well, then, then keep giving money to the person, and then money's all gone. And I go, oh, crud. it's like 10 o'clock at night. And I didn't know what to do, right? So I know I'm going to get big spanking. <laughs> so I just kind of hang out uh, in the field? Outside, outside the street, a curve, and waiting for my dad to come home. That way I can follow him in. Then I get to eat with them. She won't get mad at him or me because I know her face. But she cannot say anything loudly, vocally, because he does not like that when he, you know, when he comes meal. home. Yes. When he eats a meal, he want to come home to peaceful home. Uh, depends what kind of mood he's in. So, so I would just sit out there and starving. This little girl is starving. Mm-hmm. I just stomach and making, you know, the, the noise yes. and everything. So in my mind, I have to be strong. I just feel like I always have to feel like I had to be strong because nobody's going to mess with me. I'm, I'm already getting abused verbally a lot and sometimes physically, which is quite a bit, actually. Right. But By your dad and your mom, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I used to run away when she grabbed those things, try to hit me. I just run. <laughs> then, of course, I can come wow. home again. So, you know, those are a lot of things. That's how I, I remember. And I don't know how my mom remember, but that's what, what I remember. Yeah. So it was, it was very uh, hard for me. Sometimes I don't even want to look it back. Because when I look it back, I see that little girl. Mm. And I don't even want to talk to her. You know, like, mm. like you talking about you want to talk to that little girl, but I, I don't want to talk to her. Have you talked to her? I, I, I've been recently, because I started reading your book and everything. I'm like, oh, Ali, I just carry all this thing. Then I just laid up, you know, before God. I said, Lord, help me. And mm. it took me a long time. Process it. I didn't want to look it back. Mm. When you think about that little girl, what is the avoidance? Like, because I know now you're mm-hmm. a confident, mm-hmm. beautiful woman who knows her worth. But when you think about that little girl, are you scared to go back because of the pain? Obviously, there it's yes. layers. It's yes. not only what you believed about yourself, but it's also what you felt your parents believed about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The community, which is that part of the reason why you wanted to get out. Right. Like where you were like, I want to move to him. I mean, at what point were you like, I don't fit here? Right. Well, I just always felt that way. I don't know. Since I was a child, I always felt that way. The home, my home environment is just not fit. It's into. It's not my uh, refuge. It's I'm not safe. It's, place. it's not feel place of. I can feel like oh, yeah. you know, never. Just always felt I was outsider. Hmm. But I just knew there's something. Right. And so the culture that we were in, my mom's friend, or they're talking, they'll talk same way. 
towards me. Like, who's going to marry her? Wow. She's so boisterous hmm. and just so wild. You know, she don't have mannerism of uh, or culture of the woman should be, a young girl should be, to be, uh, because there's a lot of matchmaking marriages there at the time. Right. And they would say, like, my gosh, who's going to take her? She's like a rebel. She speaks out loud, whatever she penionated, <laughs> and she doesn't keep to herself. So that's I they, they always just point at me. So it's kind of a mark. You're kind yeah. of marking that a town. Like, yeah, don't ever. Her mm. little sister, of course, you know, yeah. she's the material for yeah. my <laughs> your, your younger sister. Yes. She was, she was really the picture yes. of perfect, the perfect future yes. uh, daughter-in-law for my mom's friends mm. who have a guy, you know, the sons. Yeah. So I was always, like I said, that that feeling of always, something is always wrong with me. Is my physical appearance, my height, something is always something picked on. So because of that, like I said, I choose to be just a part of this big uh, facade uh-huh, saying that, you know, nobody gonna mess with me. So therefore... I just do things crazy for a little girl. <laughs> yes. You know? Or I would say things like to my mom's friend, well, I don't want to marry your son anyway. Or, you know, I just kind of <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah, I don't want to marry any of you. Yeah. Uh, so I always had that, but never had a uh, a thinking like I want to marry or come to America. I just never. Because I just somehow from the childhood, God has put some DNA in me that I love American music. I love Beatles. You love the Beatles? You love American movies? Yeah, movies, uh, love story. I just love those things, which I was not allowed to, even mm. wear jeans. So I go to my friend's house, change it to jeans, a polo shirt, which is not allowed. But my dad is very, very Korean culture. So I just love that culture. And that's why I got in trouble. Because I, I go to my friend's house and, and start dancing. And then somebody told my mom, and she comes and just opened the door and then ready to spank me. Yes. <laughs> so things like that, yes. that I just knew. Always have a certain thing in my heart that I just knew I don't belong. So fast forward to meeting dad. How mm-hmm. old were you? I was uh, I was 18. And you guys were at a party? Yeah, my friend told me, hey, there's... A, I don't want to say Oh, who idea. cares? Everybody knows. Because, like, she likes yeah. the Beatles. It was a pot party. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, so she said, hey, there's a pot party. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they say like, you know, uh, that her sister's husband will bring some good stuff. And of course, good stuff. Me, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what exactly that meant because I couldn't do a lot of that stuff. So uh, I went with her and there's a lot of people. I remember, all I remember is a lot of people in the house and everybody's talking. Everyone is just talking. But your dad was sit- sitting back and leaning back and had the John Lennon glasses, glasses. long hair. So you wouldn't think they were in the military right. because he has long hair. And he's sitting there and just chilling out. He had the good stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I told my friend, I said, you know that guy over there? I'm going to marry that guy. Wow. And of course, my friend, you know, the three-year-old friend was with me. And they were like, she called me all kinds of names. Like, Supin and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Because mommy never got, uh, nobody ever would go out. Nobody Pursued you. Nobody. Yeah. My friends, they did. They all have, you know. Oh, shapely, and mommy's like... Ooh. You were just like a little girl. <laughs> yes. So nobody ever made pass up. I said, like, so they're making fun of me. Oh, you stupid, and stuff like that. He, you know, he's in the military and all that. So that's how it ended. So... Um, did you talk to him that night? No. So then how did you see him again? I didn't... So that's the story. That's an interesting story. Okay, so... But two weeks later, my friend calls. She goes, hey, guess what? I go, what? This this one of the American guy at a party want to take you out. And I go like, 
oh, which one? The guy that I'm going to marry? So I was like really excited. Yeah. So no, his best friend. Oh, this is the, yes. Best friend. But they hang out together all the time. <laughs> and you said yes. And so I said, so they, my friend says that that way, if you do go out, you say yes to that guy, his friend, then you can see him. <laughs> That's how it started. Yes. It. So at that particular time, Mama was going to English school. Okay. And so I can go get a job in the base. You know, that's something that I yes. thought maybe I could uh, pursue. So they'll pick me up. These two guys pick you up. Uh-huh. Pick you up at 6 o'clock. Okay. And then we we go like a, a place, play ping pong or okay. stuff like that. And I noticed that John buys me Coke. He buys himself a Coke. But he never offered your dad anything. And your dad just only have a water. And something about that made me feel sad. Yeah. I feel sorry for him. I go like. Oh, he must be really poor. He he can I mean he's friend. What kind of friend is he? That offering me a coke. So mama kinda that feels sorry for him. Yes. The heart kinda went and I try to look at his eyes. You know mama's like look at the eyes. And but I can't really see him. Yeah. Uh but he's always just kinda like looks sad through that, that lens that I can see the, Yes. He somehow looks sad to mama. And so I started feeling really sorry for him, you know? Yeah. So John tried to teach me my lessons. He always, you know, like a big brother, he tried to teach me. And I'm just looking at him all the time, trying to get a glimpse of his eyeball. <laughs> so John is helping you learn English and you're staring at dad. <laughs> <laughs> so we went, we did went on for a long time. And of course, like uh, six months. How long did you and John <laughs> hang out? We three of us hang out for like three months. Okay. All together. And then? Then after three months, a dad one night said, like, hey, I'll see you later. I'm just going to hang out with her. Uh-oh. And so he goes, oh, okay. But John became very protective, like my big brother. Yeah, he, he kind of started switching yeah, he, to yeah, uh-huh, a gear. big brother role. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And and always uh, make sure every time I do good in my English, he always tap in my your they head, they yeah. went on for years. Even though I got married with the UKs, he comes, he, he, he tapped my head. Yeah, always done that. Sweet man. So you and dad started mm-hmm. hanging out by yourselves. Yes, by ourselves. How and long so, until he leaves? Oh, gosh. I don't remember the clear time. But uh, I know he, was, he left in November of 1971. And the two weeks before he left, daddy goes, I think I'm in love with you. <laughs> so I'm like... Love, you know, mine picked up just love, right? So I was so excited. Oh my gosh. He's, I, I don't really remember he's saying like, I think, or because I'm trying to dissect English. I'm going to school. Right. So I don't really have the fluent English the way I understand, you know, completely. So all I heard, what I want to hear, I guess it's, 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 he's in love with me. He's mm-hmm. in love. So I told my friend, oh my gosh, he's in love with me. So there's two weeks before, but then, then like, so I took him to my mom and dad's house to meet him. Wow. But How like did that week go? Before. So he he's about to leave. You say, come over. Yeah. I you wanna, wanna bring this American soldier to your or town. Kind of his community. Call community. Yeah. How did your parents take that? Well, I didn't want to take him right away. So I had to sit in a coffee shop. Okay. Then I have to go, you know, about a mile and a half away in my house. So I walked home and I told mom and dad, I said, oh. I'm I liking this guy, and I want you to meet him. And he is American guy, uh, military. So, and of course, my dad didn't have a high. I always remember him talking bad about American GIs. Mil- yes, very always talking about negative way. 
And uh, so then they said, no, he's not coming here. And of course, you know, they're really upset that I'm ruining their reputation <laughs> now. This girl is bringing an American guy. Yes. Now, who else saw you? Who else saw you? Wow. They're freaking out. And so he, they said, no, he, I'm, we're not meeting him. Hmm. So my mom, you know, it's like really nervous. And she goes, oh, there she goes. They're going to bring more problems. You know, she had that yeah. attitude. And so I went to the coffee shop and told oh, your daddy, I said, like, I'm so sorry that when I meet you. So he t- he's so sad. And he, I, <laughs> he's sure. walking away, oh. like his shoulder down. And uh, he's blue jean, bell-bottom blue jean <laughs> with the <laughs> members still sway. Little thing with the, you know, all the hands. Oh, the fringe, uh-huh. fringe boots. Uh-huh. And just walking away behind him, catch boss and leaving. And uh, so that just is still to this day so clear, you know. And wow. so, so go, okay, that's the way it is. And then two days before he left that we met and he goes, um, you know, uh, I think you need to marry really your own kind. Hmm. More, you know, hmm. so that I broke your say. heart. Yeah, I was so disappointed, but I want to like cuss really bad. You probably did cuss <laughs> Korean language. Just, yes, I know you cuss. Yeah, I guess. so he left. He left. So I just like mama was like feel very feel like again, you know, like abandoned or, or feel not loved. You know, mm. so what's wrong with me? It's always play back when you are already insecure. When did he write you the letter with a plane ticket? I, I received a letter, uh, 10 days later, he... So ten. So even, he leaves, 10 days later? Yeah, not even 10 days, actually, very short. And at the time, letter would take three to four weeks to get from U.S. to here. You right. know, that, that, yeah. But somehow it's like nine or 10 days, I received a letter asking me hand in marriage. Wow. And so I was like, because mama was very happy uh, because I take it to translator. Right. Because I can read. And so I think it's a translator who charges me. And uh, then he said, yeah, he want to marry you. And he want hand in marriage and all that. I go, so I was so excited. Best thing ever happened to mom, right? <laughs> I feel like, you yes. know, this is the best thing. I was so happy. And I asked my mom and, and uh, dad and uh, that he you know, hand in marriage. My dad said no. But my mom, you know, she was being mother. She was, she was like, are you pregnant? <laughs> are you pregnant? Oh my gosh, I gotta get rid of you. <laughs> kind of like thing. We gotta do something really quick here, right? Before anybody finds out, wow. kind of thing. So she was. Uh, so then my dad says, you know, if you shame us, not you're not even boy, and you you're a girl, you're shaming my my name, mm-hmm. my uh, you know, and and those things are very important for their for, culture. In Korean culture, it's big. And so yes. he say, I'm gonna shave your hair off. Wow. And I'm like, uh, you know. So then my mom uh, took my dad's a stamp. You know, here we write signature, right? In yeah. Korea, you have a stamp. Stamp with the name on it. So that would be the seal Got it. of, of the, the, the signature. So mom took to, it. To allow you to leave Korea. To, to send the paper. Right. To say yes, you know. So so she did that. She she did that. And he found that. Kind of forged signature. Yeah. Put his stamp. Yes. On that uh, to, paper. Why was she okay with you leaving? Was she just kind of like, I can't control you? I don't know. Just, I, I didn't even really think about that part. I don't think I ever really deal with that part. Hmm. He should use it. I, I wouldn't even go, go there. there. <laughs> yeah. So you just brought it up. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> I, I, maybe she saw, maybe a soft, let's, let's assume a softness came upon her when she saw your dad saying no. She I think knew she you was, were in love. 
Let's, yeah, but I think it was more of like, oh my gosh, she's gonna shame my shame. Oh, me so like get out. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. that's why I took it okay. even then. So you know, when you feel always like uh, somebody don't like you, you're always gonna put it into the negative realm. Well, that'll Never. be the filter you'll always see mm-hmm. things in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So because of this, how I receive it. So um, then she's like probably feel like I mean that's just my own thing. Okay, I'm not accusing her. Cause I try before she passed away, we got all, you know right. But yep. she, I, I feel like she went like. Phew, you know, right. like that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so we, we proceeded paperwork, and then the mommy got chicken down. So I didn't answer that with letters, you know, because it's all translation letter. Right. And so you kind of get thinking, like, I don't know. I think I'm gonna backtrack this. I might not want to go. Right. Even though I, I really think I do love him. So mommy didn't write him back for quite a while. How long were you writing each other? Six months. Probably, yeah. Okay. Um, six months, and uh, so then. Uh, he sent me a letter saying, hey, you know, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Why are you not answering me? What's wrong with you? And, and so he said, if you not want to come, you know, I'll borrow money to buy the airplane ticket. Give me, send it back. Send it back. And then I got, mommy got really upset, you know, like, what a jerk. Okay, I'm coming now, you know, kind of attitude. And so that was really another struggle that I had to go through. What a money back? You gonna get money back for everything? What kind of guy are you? Well, he was broke. Remember, he was drinking water. He couldn't afford yeah, a Yeah, he coke. told me he borrowed the money, so that's why he said he, he. You know, so, so that's what what so happened. So, when did you decide I'm leaving? Mm-hmm. I'm moving. Did your parents give you a send off? Uh, I think. I mean, I just they're okay with it at that point, and my 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 dad was okay with it. Did you cry? Did your mom cry? What was the goodbye like? So when we went to airport, well, at that particular time, we know we don't have a big family, and my dad's sister has always been my refuge place. Right. I, I go aunt. walk uh-huh. by fifteen miles, then I get in trouble, go to stay there, walk there. So so, but at that particular time, I got mad at her. I didn't talk to her. So only people I had was, uh, you know, just my dad and mom and. Brother, brother and, and sister. sister. That's it. And uh, so when they uh, took me to airport the day I'm, I'm leaving, um, it was uh, like, uh, you know, kind of like a sweet and bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, I'm leaving forever. I don't ever see them again. But then I was like, I feel like I never see them again. But then I feel there is like relief. I'm maybe yonder. It can be better. Hmm. It can be better. And they they cry, you know. My mom cry. Uh, I don't remember my dad crying. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Mm-mm. I don't think. Did he you cry? I don't even remember okay. actually. You know, there was like a. Little... I can't imagine because now you're 19. Uh-huh. The idea of a 19 year old mm-hmm. little girl getting on a plane, mm-hmm. flying to America. Dad picks you up in his VW Bug in San Francisco, uh-huh. right? Yeah. You get married. On the courthouse steps there in your cutoff jean shorts, uh-huh. tank top, all the things. You yeah. drive all the way from there to Wichita to mm-hmm. start your life. The first year mm. was rough because mm. dad was into drugs. Um, now the life that you'd left, mm-hmm. you come to this new, again, th- the movies. Yes. The love stories, mm-hmm. the music, yeah. <laughs> that was not the same thing happening uh-uh. in your little, you know, right. 800 square foot home. Yeah. And, and you, so 
you two having to work through that for mm-hmm. what when was that you got married in 72 we got married 72 june and then uh then i started by marriage by his car broken down and right. saying he's broke no money he oh no because his sister get western union i go wow what this is a rough start i have to push car and not having a picture of when i got married i go like man this this is not is wacky. Right. This is not the not picture. What I, you know, yeah. picture I, I had. And because uh, the way he sang, he got everything like, oh, right. you know. And so, and then finally, finally get home after we putting the car. But it was sweet though. When I came into the house, he, he rent this place by like 750 square feet home, wood floor, two bedroom. He had a couch from his parents, but half, I think half couch, the, the real old couch from basement is there. And uh, the, the pot hand don't have a handle. Some you know mismatch place yes. and mismatch all this stuff. And then he, there was a little coffee table your daddy made in high school, <laughs> uh, and the bookcase and two end table. Very retro looking. Yes. Now that I was like, oh man, I wish I Mikey kept would that. love those. Uh-huh. Yes. So yeah, he did that. That was her furniture, and of course his stereo that he bought when he was in Korea. <laughs> Which that's his love. Yeah, he loves music. You know, so, so moving from a place where you didn't feel like you fit culturally mm-hmm. in your own skin, right. your own hometown, right. now moving to Wichita, mm-hmm. where you're for sure different there. Yeah. How did you, through the years, from when you moved there before mm-hmm. you had us, what did you experience when you first moved to the States as an immigrant? Yeah. Like, what did you experience? Did you notice the looks? Did you notice yes. the glances? The first thing, I'm like, Oh my God, these ladies are beautiful. They have beautiful eyes, big eyes. They're tall. Tall, you said that. nose is just perfect. Their their faces are just perfect, tall, just so slender, you know, and, and had, you know, all this shape. They had and boobs all that. and hips. Yes. <laughs> and I'm yes. like, there we go again. I'm going like, oh, geez, I ain't got a chance here. Hmm. And so I'm going like, oh my gosh, how do I? How to compete? Then I'm married to him. Now he's in his own country. Hmm. How? Oh my lord! So there he goes again. So and then we, we go to uh, you know parties. He goes and then there's a lot. These people, a lot of them, not married, have girlfriends, and they're all beautiful, blonde hair, and you know, color eyes, and you know they just go phew, plenty. They're, they're like, blood. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! I'm just so so. Then I accuse dad of staring somebody, and we, we, every time we go, we fight. <laughs> Staring at somebody. You're Were you staring, staring at Deborah? <laughs> Wasn't her name Deborah? No. <laughs> They're a Deborah. No. Um, somebody in the group said, No, I was not. And I said, oh, I saw you. So we, we argue. <laughs> but your insecurity yes, follows comes back you. and on. Yeah. And so always accuse that of looking somebody. We go to bowling alley. We just go to bowling <laughs> game. And then cannot get out of there without arguing again. Because, you know, your dad is he's very, very uh, observing and stuff like that. So he, so when I see him, I'm always looking at your dad and his eyes kind of move like this. And I'm like, what are you looking at? Then that I get, is I feel like funny. He's looking at the lady. Yeah. So I accuse him of something. He was like, I swear. I didn't, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. So that carry into uh, to marriage. And then you have your at? three girls. Then I have, yeah. And now you have to have, so every season you go through, there's a facade you mm-hmm. have to put up. Right. You know, now you're a mother of three girls. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was chatting with Mikey and Teresa earlier, and mm-hmm. the thing we remember the most about you were your high heels, your makeup, yeah. your hair was always done, and your outfit. Like, mm-hmm. you always made us so proud. Mm-hmm. What were your things? Like, was it the soap opera? I feel like you told me you'd watch like American soap operas. You would see how the other women dress. Like, 
what in you clicked to say, I need to fit into this culture. Therefore, mm-hmm. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. What were those things that you felt like you needed to do to fit in? Mm-hmm. Because my insecurity, when I came here, I have like, like I got to compete somehow. How do I do that? Hmm. So even though I might not have a look about the beautiful ladies, but I, th- I have to I have to do something here. I have to I have to come up with some something, right? Plan here. Yes. So what I did is I don't everyone like that to be feeling like because everybody's so beautiful. To my eyes, everybody looks beautiful yes. here. So how do I I gotta carry myself hmm. certain way? I had to do this f- to to not Make only fit in and because I have to fit in somehow, right? I'm here now. I have to. I have to live like I, I'm gonna die here too. Uh, even though I'm Korean, I always gonna have a look of a Korean. This is something I cannot change. But I say to myself, but I want Daddy to be proud of me. If you take me somewhere, I don't want everybody to think, oh my gosh, look at this Korean lady. Or because they don't say Korean because I'm Korean, but people say like, oh, you know, they put a different label on yes. you. So I don't want to be mixed in their label. I say like, I'm Korean. And I'm going to walk like Korean, so I'm going to act like Korean. And so, therefore, I want him to be proud of me. So, I want to make sure that I look good, I'm made up, and, you know, and I start putting um, a lot of makeup on. Daddy go like, don't do not do that. <laughs> you, you, you are Korean. That's the way you're supposed to look. Mm. Like, then, But then I'm like, no, just my own insecurity I had to do for myself. Yes. So, I, I always dress up, always. And even to this day, people go like, you're always dressed up. And honey, honey, I don't want to tell him, like, you know, I started, but, you know, that's a long story, right? <laughs> but there's a reason that mama never wanted him to feel shame mm-hmm. to marry uh, mm-hmm. a, a Korean woman that who walk around with just pajama pants or, you know, slippers. And yeah. so I want to always look good. So I have to constantly be mindful. And same thing, when my girls see me at school and I'm walking up there, I don't want my girl to think, oh, my gosh, look at my mom. Because hmm. I have seen, I have experience to some of the moms that they feel, you know, when I go to school, my kids are not really proud happy. Of, yeah. yeah. And so that, those things drove you to more to draw me to always be look best. Yes. And, and to make best of what you have, you know? Yes. And so that's what mommy did. There was always something I had owned. I always want to make it proud. And so when daddy go to meetings, I make sure I press his iron, his shirts. He's going to always look good. He's groomed always. Hair is, I cut his hair all his ears. Make sure he's, you know, <laughs> things like that. The house was always perfect. Mm-hmm. Because that's Everything a reflection was, of me. Yes. I feel like that was always a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. So I had to always go above, beyond. Yeah. That I have to work for that. And that's become a habit. Uh, when, I, when I was writing about these reoccurring themes in the book that I was saying they show up in my life in different ways. Mm-hmm. Perfectionism is one that's always nagged me. Mm-hmm. Like you have to control the situation. The room has to look perfect. That was earlier on when I had my young kids because I felt like not only with our finances, but just life in general felt mm-hmm. like it was out of control. So mm-hmm. the, I had to find something to control. And right. that was the way my house looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering, it started making me think about you because mm-hmm. there were certain rooms in the house we couldn't go in. Yeah. <laughs> My toy room. I call. She would, where it was like the couch, all the stuff that was the nice furniture. Uh-huh. We could not sit on that sofa. The house was always clean, mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know that. Like, every, I just remember growing up in a very clean, pristine environment. Do you, and I think it's funny because when I hear about how you are as a little girl, I would think you were opposite of a little perfectionist. You right. sound like this 
kind of crazy, you know, rambunctious. Right. But then when I think about the homes we grew up in, as we moved, it was always picture perfect. Mm -hmm. Did you struggle with perfectionism as a thing that you could control? I just feel like I need to always look nice so that like dad is proud of me. He comes home. You you guys remember, mama maybe walk around in the, a robe in the day. Yes. But then when dad before daddy come, before come home, I put my face on. I mean, I did so that. Funny. I Mom. just always want to. So there's a, something drives you, right? Yes. What is driving source for me was that not only uh, being accepted, but I want somebody to say, you know, you did good. I want hmm. no, I don't care about anybody's approval. Always somebody who's close to me. You cared about that. Yeah, cared about yeah. that was very important to me. The ones I love. I don't really care about other people's opinions so much, but the ones. So the when daddy comes home. House is cleaned up. My kids look dressed up. Always look nice. The hairs, that picture, you went outside the- And you were mad at me. And When you got that school picture, the the picture that's on the front of the book, I remember bringing it home, like, here are my pictures. I remember you were upset. What happened to you? (laughs) Because my hair had fallen out. But now it's like, that's my favorite thing about Mm -hmm. it. And so, you know, I still remember, I know probably I was hard on your kids, but you guys really need to make your bed before you go and do anything. Make your bed. You know, yeah. it was like that. And so that's all probably coming from that needs Did to be. Did you, because I do remember, I think all of us, when I was talking to Mikey and Teresa, I remember moments like in the Kmart mm-hmm. and someone would look at you or say something. Would that empower you to, because I always just remember you you walked mm-hmm. around so proud. Like yeah. I never thought it affected you. Or did that sting? Like what was that when you would see the glances or feel like mm-hmm. people treated you different because you were Asian? Right. What did that do for you when you were in America? Because again, you're experiencing the same thing that you experienced in Korea, but now it's a different place. Right. You different, really right. do stick out. Right. Mm-hmm. How did you, what did that do to you? Well, you know, I kind of tried to, not her, not hear that whatever the mark, and then just kind of like, hmm, you know, because you that's this what you my would do. way. You really uh-huh. did that. You my went, way, hmm. way. And, and you yeah. walk off, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I didn't like it, but I don't try to put that in deep in my root mm-hmm. in me because I already got nothing already. Yeah. So that was like, you know, <laughs> like that. So, hmm. but that caused me to be more just have that. It uh, empowered you to yeah to do, do better or, or to prove better. yourself mm-hmm. like right. yeah yes so that because when I got there seventy two there's hardly hardly not too many Korean people right. or Asian people even that Wichita Kansas I mean it wasn't right. so I would take like sore thumb was there a moment for you what was your full circle moment or that moment where you said I am enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have it all perfect. I, my girls are proud of me. Mm-hmm. My husband is proud of me. Mm-hmm. I can relax mm-hmm. and be at peace with who I am. Mm-hmm. Have you had that experience? I did have that. When I start going that direction. What direction? Like going to that negative realm, a re- reminder of things like I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. God always helps me and then bring me visual. You know, mom is very visual. Mm-hmm. Then I look at picture of my family. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Especially, you you know, put me the anniversary pictures or 50th anniversary, the day that experiencing that. Mm-hmm. My goodness gracious, what you complain about? Mm. You have more than enough. You more than you ever asked for. Mm. 
So that picture of that and experiencing that actually, the, my desire, the 50-year thing, you know, my goodness. So I don't need to go back to saying like, I'm not enough. Right. I'm like, God has blessed me with my beautiful family. And, you know, this is it. Yeah. So I am full. My heart is just satisfied. In this place I'm in now. And a lot of people can say that. And still struggling. But me being 69, I can truly, truly say, thank God that I got experience. So those things way behind me, it, it comes to me once in a while, try to come near me, mm. but I choose to not even go there yeah. and to dwell in that place of darkness. Why would I now? Right. When I have so much blessing in front of me. So it really, I'm a place now. I'm enough. And you, you're explaining that not enough, you know? That, that was just a profound way you explained it. So when mama say, I'm an, it's enough, that means you, I feel like you're I'm full. just full <laughs> yes. and satisfied. Yes. There's nothing more that I would desire because this mm. is this is picture I have now. So I am very thankful. I'm just grateful to God, really. You know, at, at one point I remember shutting off, you know, I feel like it was when I was like six, almost seven, and making a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I always thought like a an adult. Like yeah. you know that. Like at eight, right. I thought I was the mom in the household and I like to, you know, so I always had this these thoughts that maybe as a little girl, I should have not carried. Maybe I, I was, I'm not going to say mature, but I, I thought like a, maybe an older kid would yeah. mm -hmm. in protecting people right. where I think when I think about my kids at six and seven, they're still light and free. And that's not even a thought yeah. for me. I made a conscious decision when the kids would tease me at school you know, even when my taste in lunch changed and I, you know, opted for French fries and wanted the hamburger now yeah. so I could eat like the American yeah. kids. But I made a conscious decision to not process it with you uh -huh. because what I was getting made fun of for being half of, mm -hmm. knowing that you were a full, uh -huh. that you were full Korean, I think I wanted to protect you. Uh -huh. And I think you would say, in hindsight, I wanted you to tell me this stuff. Like I never, mm -hmm. I never sensed you weren't strong enough to carry mm -hmm. it, but I just felt like, okay, I, we can have two people heard here or one. Mm -hmm. And I opted to silence yeah. my pain, mm -hmm. which is why at 44, I'm still talking about mm -hmm. it. And I'm thankful in the way it all worked out. Yeah. But I do feel like not getting to process it with you. I think I, I truly believe if I could have, I would have gotten there quicker. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to protect you. Mm -hmm. And now even hearing your heart of going, I brushed it off. That was a stranger. Who mm -hmm. cares what the stranger thinks? Right. I care about what my family thinks. Where for me, I knew I was loved at home. Mm -hmm. And how fascinating that I let the weight of the world or even those people I didn't even know re-identify mm -hmm. who I was yeah. as a little girl. I think it's fascinating that some people can brush it off and say, mm -hmm. who cares? And other people hold on to mm -hmm. it and have to like, rewrite that right, years later right so for mm. me moving to new york city five to six months having an internship there my senior year in college was a full circle moment where 
Mm. I, you knew this. I'd go to Korean town. I'd go get panchan. <laughs> I'd go get the bulgogi. Mm. I wanted to smell the food mm. that you and grandma made. Mm. And I feel like there was such a thing of regret that I don't know if I ever told you this, mm. but I always wanted to say I was sorry for living in halfness and not fully embracing the most beautiful thing about myself, which was you the culture that was half of me as a Korean little girl, as a Korean teenager, as a Korean woman, that I felt that guilt and that regret. Like, Mm -hmm. dang it, that's my mother. This is her culture. And I didn't quite see the fullness of it until I lived in New York Mm -hmm. and I was missing and longing for my mother. And Mm -hmm. I found it in those streets with those other mothers holding their daughter's hands. And I, I don't know if I ever told you that I was sorry, that I didn't fully own mm. who I was until that moment. Mm-hmm. And that was a conscious decision for me to moving forward. This will be the flag I hang. I fly mm-hmm. the highest that mm-hmm. I am this culture, this Korean history, this Korean story, my Korean mother, my Korean grandmother, that that's the richest part of Mm. who I am. Mm. And walking in the fullness of that really changed the narrative for me. It changed my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I now just feel so free. And even seeing my daughter, Mm. both of my girls, our kids, your other granddaughters, Mm -hmm. all love so Mm. much that Korean. If their eyes could look a little more slanted, that's (laughs) their goal. And so I just wanted to tell you, Mom, that I now am fully in a place of just complete pride Mm -hmm. the idea that this 19 year old (sighs) little girl who Mm -hmm. was in so much pain trying to flee one place where you didn't find comfort you didn't find home to then go somewhere else to find it and then didn't Mm -hmm. find it for years Mm -hmm. but you kept fighting and you kept fighting is just a beautiful picture of how we've got to fight for our story we've got to fight Mm -hmm. for that narrative and Mm-hmm. rewrite things right. so that we can walk into life in wholeness. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for embracing that. And But mama always felt like you, you for some reason, because you never say things, so you embraced it. But I did feel the moments and my mom came. I felt like going to a Pacific field trip. Mm-hmm. I remember you you have that certain <laughs> face, you know? And mama knows the certain faces. And... <laughs> And I just feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I wish maybe maybe I should leave my mom home, but then I, I, I didn't feel like I was honoring her. Uh, you know, that's, that for me was bringing her here was for my payback to her in spite of, to honor her. So, but I am, I just always knew that you, you do carry things inside, like your dad does, same way. You have that personality. You don't expose that, you know? And, but I'm so appreciative that you come to that place. Mm-hmm. But you know, my dad used to say, um, when he was against being married to American person, is that the one thing he said was, you children will pay for your decisions. Wow. He said, because they are not full blood. And so because they're, they're, they're you know, half Asian and half American, they're going to pay the price. And I didn't know what that meant. And I just like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. I really did. But he did say that. And the later, you know, that I do find out with Teresa, you know, feeling shame and all that. Then I go, wow. They, mm. he just 
bell rang. I go, wow, this is what he meant. Mm. And when I look at you girls, I just, I'm so proud, you know, in spite of all the things you go through, through because of mom being Korean, there are some things you went through. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people go through different cultures, some things I, sure. I know, but yeah. this is really unique in mm-hmm. different ways. But then you guys did carry well. And the truth, I came through. And after she seen that one movie, Joy Luck Club, yes, <laughs> that was her moment. She said, that's her moment. Mm. So you never know what God used. And so we all have something going on. And no family be perfect, but I consider this is my trophy. Not later years. Now, after 69, I've been turning 69. Uh, when I look at the pictures of all the display of a tapestry of my marriage and Behind that tap, beautiful tapestry, there was always got little knots in there. We had a lot of knots here and there. We all do. But this beautiful picture of a tapestry that I see is almost getting done, you know? Yes. And it's mm. still being Such formed. Such a beautiful picture. Uh-huh. And so that's what mama mm. see. So that place of contentment and you like say, you know, I- I'm enough. You created me this way, or, and I have lacking a lot of area, but we're not going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to issues. We all do. Mm-hmm. So I don't strive like I used to mm. because I, I just feel grateful. Good. And, and say, I have enough in every area. So my soul is well. Amen. And so proud of you girls, all my three girls. Well. Proud of you for and my grandkids, beautiful grandkids. Think about this, Mom. The fact that at 19 you said yes to mm-hmm. a hippie. <laughs> and if you wouldn't have said yes to that hippie, none of this, like, you're great. You know, no. it's just like it, it was your bold, brave move mm. um, that really helped create this beautiful family that's mm. ours. So I love you, Mom. Thank you for Thank joining you. me today. Enjoy. You are definitely Thank one of you. the best parts of my story. Oh, thank I love you. you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Proud of all my girls. Love you, Mama. I love you. Thanks for listening to the stories we tell. The show was produced by Temple Williams and Chris Jacobs, and it was edited by Chris Jacobs. Special thanks to Eric LaFerriere, Jarrett Lambeau, Peyton Ligaber, and Temple Williams at Blind Mill. Kayla Luna, Alyssa Neely, and Hannah Cunningham from Magnolia, and Ashton Carter, Hannah Pedersen, and Chris Jacobs at Pod People. The Stories We Tell is produced by Blind Mill Audio in association with Pod People. For more episodes, you can follow The Stories We Tell wherever you listen to podcasts. The Stories We Tell, published by HarperCollins, is now available wherever books are sold. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.